Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11, called, That I May Know Him. Can I ask you at the outset of this message, do you know God? I was witnessing to a a friend I played racquetball with, and we were having spiritual conversations back and forth. And one day I said to him, I know the Lord and the Lord knows me. And he said, Michael, you're nuts. What do you mean you know God and God knows you? And he didn't understand what I was saying. But if you're a Christian, this is the reality of who you are. You know the Lord, and the Lord knows you. The Lord bears witness to this by giving us his Holy Spirit, but he also bears witness to it by the revelation that we have in Scripture. And this is the truth of what it means to be a believer. It's to know God. Now, there are things that obviously challenge us in that endeavor. What are those things? Well, if you grew up like me, they might be a temptation to check boxes and think that's what puts me in good standing with God. If I did these certain things on this given day, there are people in movements today, I won't name them, but I think you're familiar with them, that are told if you do this many good things, then this is what will happen to you. This will secure your future. This will accomplish this or that. But the truth of scripture is that that is all irrelevant. If you don't know the Lord, you are not saved no matter how many good things you do. I'll give you an example. If I were to take you to a swimming pool after this service and dunk you in water a thousand times and you had not been baptized in your heart, you had not had a heart change, that outward action of going down under the water and coming back up again is absolutely meaningless. Now, if you have been changed on the inside or baptized on the inside, then that day of baptism means everything. Amen? Because it becomes a true sign of what's happened to you on the inside. The ritual cannot do it. The ritual simply should be a testimony to the reality of the heart. You take circumcision of the heart instead of the outward circumcision or or baptism, if you will. And I use the idea of the baptism of the heart. And so Paul begins these uh, famous words in chapter 3, Philippians, with verse 1, with finally. Uh, This is what preachers often say. And my final point is this. And most of you are like, I don't believe it. He's lied before. (laughs) Right from that hunk of wood. Well, the word finally doesn't mean finally. And all of you are like, yeah, it's just exactly what I expected. He's a preacher. There's going to be a fourth chapter as well. So if Paul did it, I can do it too. But the idea finally is that he's kind of switching points here. And he's given a lot of encouragement. And now he says, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. This this has been a letter about joy and we need to have joy. And then he says, to write the same things again is no trouble to me. And it's a safeguard for you. Now, if you're taking notes, this is an important point. Joy will keep you spiritually healthy safeguards will keep you spiritually protected. Amen? I need joy in my life, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I love that. But you also need to build safeguards into your Christian life. 
What do you need to build safeguards against? Paul will lay it out. He will talk about false teaching and false teachers. And in the, in verses two and three, I believe, or as, at least in verse two, he uses the word beware in our English versions, at least the New American Standard, three times. Beware, beware, beware. In the Greek text, they're all words that start with the kappa or the K in Greek. And it's a way to write to kind of burn it into the minds of the listener. You say, what do I need to be aware of? What is Paul warning against in a letter of joy? Notice what he says. First, beware of the dogs. Now, all of you are saying, wait a minute, Pastor Michael. You said you were a dog lover. You said all dogs are believers. I believe that. I believe most dogs are more spiritual than all of us. Can I get a witness? But in the first century, dogs were largely not domesticated. They ran around the Roman world as basically scavengers, ate garbage. You get the point. They were kind of a gross, detestable kind of animal. And the Orthodox Jews, or the very religious people of the day, looked down on Gentiles and called Gentiles, non-Jewish people, dogs. And so when Paul addresses these proud Pharisees who don't know the Lord, but look down on everybody else, he flips around the term and uses it against them and basically says, the Gentile believers aren't the dogs. You are. This is where the song came from, Who Let the Dogs Out? You guys realize that? And if you've ever seen the sign on a backyard fence, beware of dogs, Paul gets a kickback every time one of those signs are sold. It all originates from the Bible. Right? Who are these dogs? And why does Paul use this metaphor to drive the point home? Well, these dogs are also described as evil workers or evil doers, if you have an ESV. They, what they're teaching brings harm. It comes with a bite to go with the metaphor. Beware of these evil workers. Beware of these dogs. And then he gets down to the point. This is what they propagate. This is their doctrine. Beware of the false circumcision. Literally, you could render this, look out for those who want to mutilate your flesh. Now, in the early church, in the book of Acts, a debate arose. It was the first council in the Jerusalem church. And what happened was there were Gentile believers coming to the Lord. And some of the Jewish believers said, no, these people need to be circumcised and keep the laws of Moses to be saved. And so a big debate ensued. If you've ever studied the chapter before, you know that Peter stood up and James stood up. And Peter said, look, I went into the Gentile house of Cornelius and these people received the Holy Spirit on the basis of faith. Why would we try to add something to them that didn't benefit us? Why would we force them to eat our kosher diet? Or to get the outward right or act of circumcision when they are already saved on the basis of faith. Why would we do that? And so the point is this. We don't need to add to the Gentiles something that is very much Jewish. And so they determined that they wouldn't add any extra things to the Gentiles. 
They would simply tell them to live a pure life. But they, but the, the big issue is that you are saved by grace through faith plus nothing. If you have someone come along and tell you, oh, that Bible or that church that told you, you simply trust in the Lord and that's good for salvation. Oh, no, 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 no. Apparently you didn't read the small print, brother, sister. And sometimes they come along and they're at the mall and they say, oh, you got baptized in your church? Oh, their baptism is not good. You need to be baptized in our baptismal by our uh, leader according to our formula or you're not saved. See, there are modern faces of this and it's all the same. The packaging can look a little different, but here's the point. If you are a believer today, it is simply on the basis of trusting in the finished work of Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not by works, not by works so that no one can boast in God's presence. It is on the basis of God's grace and you receive it through faith. Amen. Amen. This is the gospel. And Paul lived so much of his life at the top of the game. He was uh, a man who had it all going on in terms of the religious world, and yet he was lost. You say, well, what is the solution, Pastor Michael? If this is the warning, what should a true Christian life look like? Look at verse 3, Philippians 3. For we are the true circumcision, by contrast to the false, who do through th- three things, if you're taking notes, who worship in the Spirit of God. Worship has the idea of serving or drawing near. Glory in Christ Jesus. He alone is our salvation. And then a negative, two positives and a negative. We worship in the Spirit of God. We glory in Christ Jesus. And we put how much confidence in the flesh? Zero. Now this is a different type of battle with the flesh. You've all heard of the battle of the flesh and the Spirit. And sometimes we're tempted to do things we ought not do as believers. And that's one primary battle. But there's another battle with the flesh, and it's this. It's a religious battle. It's this temptation to rely on performance to think that that makes me good with God. And there is nothing wrong with serving God with the best that you have. You should. But if you're simply checking boxes and you think, well, if I did this, this, and this today, then he loves me. And if I didn't, then he loves me not. He loves me. He loves me a lot. He loves me. You're going to be on this constant roller coaster, which is not what God wants for you. On your worst day, he loves you. And on your best day, he loves you. You are in a covenant, a new covenant with God. Amen. And so we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We glory in Christ Jesus and we put zero confidence in the flesh. This is the path for believers. We worship the Lord. We draw near to him. We glory in the cross and we put zero confidence in the power of our flesh. Jesus put it this way. Apart from me, you can do zero. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. 
Thank you to all our Walking Truth partners for your financial support. We are over halfway through this year, and you have raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast equipping people with God's truth. Now, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We are looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Glory in Christ Jesus. He alone is our salvation. And then a negative, two positives and a negative. We worship in the Spirit of God. We glory in Christ Jesus. And we put how much confidence in the flesh? Zero. Now, this is a different type of battle with the flesh. You've all heard of the battle of the flesh and the spirit, and sometimes we're tempted to do things we ought not do as believers, and that's one primary battle. But there's another battle with the flesh, and it's this. It's a religious battle. It's this temptation to rely on performance to think that that makes me good with God. And there is nothing wrong with serving God with the best that you have. You should. But if you're simply checking boxes and you think, well, if I did this, this, and this today, then he loves me. And if I didn't, then he loves me not. He loves me. He loves me a lot. He loves me. You're going to be on this constant roller coaster, which is not what God wants for you. On your worst day, he loves you. And on your best day, he loves you. You are in a covenant, a new covenant with God. Amen? And so we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We glory in Christ Jesus and we put zero confidence in the flesh. This is the path for believers. We worship the Lord. We draw near to him. We glory in the cross and we put zero confidence in the power of our flesh. Jesus put it this way. Apart from me, you can do zero. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, someone might say, well, Paul, where do you get such authority? On what basis might you say such things? Look at verse 4. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Here's my resume if you want to compare. I was circumcised the eighth day, verse 5. 
I'm of the right nation, the nation of Israel, the chosen ones. I'm of the right tribe, the tribe of Benjamin, the uh, tribe that kings came from. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. That is, I had a Hebrew mom and a Hebrew dad, pure stock. As to the law, I hit the highest echelon of religious service or position of Pharisee. If you want to know about my passion or zeal, I was so passionate, I persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. And if you want to know about the righteousness which is in the law, I was found blameless. I showed up at the right days with the right clothing. I tithed of mint and come and I fasted twice a week. I did my prayers. I was at the morning and the evening offerings. I was at the festivals. I did it all right. I was so passionate about God and his kingdom that I tried to stamp out what I believed to be a false kingdom. That is the kingdom of Christ until I was confronted on the road to Damascus and I saw a bright light. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He didn't know the Lord. Now, if you took your resume and compared it to Paul's, how would you be doing? When it comes to the outward working of the law, would you be found blameless? Be honest. We'll ask people who live with you after this. (laughs) Paul was an amazing man in terms of a religious man ritual and passion for who he, who he was and what he did, second to none. But all of it was a waste. He says, but whatever things were gained to me, seven, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. The word loss there has the idea of a detriment or the idea of tossing unneeded cargo off of a ship because it was weighing it down. Paul's spiritual spreadsheet shifted when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And everything that he had in the positive category, this side of the ledger, he put into the negative category. Every box that he checked, every work that he did, every outward act of righteousness for the sake of the law and impressing people, he put it from the gain category into the loss category. Every trophy by human endeavor was a loss. Can you imagine how devastated Paul must have been when he realized that everything that he had done for religious reasons was actually detrimental to him knowing God. Wow. I mean, that is an amazing revelation. And Paul says, they meant nothing. In fact, they're now a loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, look at verse 8. I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value. This is the superiority, the... uh, uh, Super abundance. It's the, this idea of the top of the top, of the surpassing value of, here's our key word, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. You could translate garbage or what could be thrown to the dogs. I count them all rubbish or garbage in order that I may gain Christ. Some of us are going to have to lose all of that stuff to truly know Jesus Christ. We're going to have to chuck a lot of the, and I'm going to put this in quotes, religious baggage that we carried in to a church 
or the hearing of the gospel. Because so many of you are caught in this cycle where you measure everything by how how well you performed. Some of you think that you're saved on one day and lost the next, and you go back and forth and up and down, and that's not what God has for you. The Lord wants you to understand that the ultimate gain is to know him. Everything else can be tossed away. Now, all that you do for Christ, of course, has great benefit. But here's what Paul says, that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. And that was Paul's problem. He was trying to do a righteousness of his own, derived from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God, notice, on the basis of faith. The gospel is simply this. In order to know God, a foreign righteousness must come into your life. It's not a righteousness that you can produce because our righteousness is is as of filthy rags before the Lord. All of our good works without this relationship really mean nothing. They're not going to get anybody in on that day. Nobody's going to be comparing resumes at the pearly gates. What's going to get us in is whether we're in Christ and have a righteousness which comes to us outside of ourselves. What is this righteousness, you ask? This is Christ's righteousness. Christ fulfilled all righteousness when he came to the planet. He fulfilled the law. He got baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And his perfect life substitutionary death and triumphant resurrection come to any person, are credited to any account when you put your trust in the finished work of Christ. You've been listening to That I May Know Him, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app, or wherever you get your podcasts. As you know, we love to connect with our listeners, and that means you. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the rest of us here a letter. We love to get mail, so you can get all that contact information on walkintruth.com. Or if you're ready now, here's the email address. It's contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. P.O. Box 2063. Corona, California, 92878. Again, you can write us at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, when you hear about the righteousness of Christ imputed to one's account, these rich theological terms and realities, you might say, I sure don't feel righteous. (laughs) If I have the righteousness of Christ, wouldn't I feel that? Well, yes and no. Uh, The righteousness of Christ is a positional righteousness. That is that the Lord has taken Jesus's perfection and credited it to your account. Let me give you an example. Let's just say that one day you found out somebody put $10 million in your bank account and you went, what? And you might say, I don't feel any richer. Well, you'd have to go verify if it was in your bank account. Now, you might not change the way you feel or look or anything like that. But the truth is that money is in your account nonetheless. And that's the way it works. That's at least an analogy 
of the righteousness that's imputed to our account. Scholars say it's a foreign righteousness. It's not our own, but it becomes ours as we are in Christ Jesus. And that's the beauty of it. Even when you don't feel righteous or holy, and I have many moments of many days that I would tell you that's how I feel. I rejoice in the righteousness of Christ. I rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Hey, if you live outside the Southern California area and you're like, I'd love to visit Living Truth, but I live in a different state. What do I do now? Find a good, solid Bible teaching local church and go. And more than that, plug in, man. If it's the right church doing the right stuff, and I think you'll be able to know, um, then plug in, man. Serve the king. Be part of the body. You might say, well, I got burned in the past. Well, give it another shot, man. You know, churches are in perfect places, but we're all part of this, the church saved by grace, and I would encourage you to be part of it. Hey, if you can't get to a local church, you can always check out our service. The 1030 a.m. service does air on our YouTube channel. Just search for Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona on YouTube, and you can worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings. That's Pacific time, and uh, you can avail yourself to that later if you're— uh, uh, worshiping at your local church, which I hope you are. Have a wonderful, blessed weekend. We'll see you right here Monday, Lord willing. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $20 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11, called That I May Know Him. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a fantastic weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.